Let's do yeah. that. Let's invite Steph, up Steph. Help. <laughs> help is on the way. High fives all around. I think we need more high fives more often. Woohoo. Are we awake? It's a rainy morning. That's okay. The I kind of like the rain. It's kind of like a vibe, right? We got some amazing worship, some beautiful rain happening in the background, as long as your house is not flooding. That would be bad. Hi, live stream. Thanks for being with us this morning. We love you. All right, let's get started. We're going to start with a Bible story that I've always found fascinating, and it's a story about faith. It's in Mark 9, starting in verse 14. And I'm actually going to paraphrase it a little bit because there's a lot of things happening in the story at once, and I want us to zero in on this faith part. So there's this father whose son is possessed by demons, and the father comes to Jesus in absolute desperation. He needs Jesus to heal his son. And then as he stands in front of Jesus, instead of Jesus reaching out and healing this boy like we've seen in many other stories of the Bible, Jesus sits in the tension of this man's pain. And then he starts to quiz the father about his son's symptoms. Jesus says, how long has he been like this? And then the father goes on to describe that ever since his son was a little boy, something demonic in nature had been relentlessly torturing him. He says he can't speak, he gets thrown onto the ground, and he goes into convulsions, and he foams at the mouth. And then sometimes this demonic thing tries to throw his son into water to drown him or throw him into fire to burn him alive. I mean, the father has a case. It's almost shocking that Jesus doesn't do something quicker. I mean, think about it, this, this dad, every single day that his son's condition doesn't change, it's like another day dwindles that the success and future of his son could ever be something more than what he sees. And this dad is probably exhausted. He can't let this kid out of his sight for a second. And his life is probably filled with isolation because when people don't understand, they avoid. Worry, exhaustion, and loneliness. That's hashtag parenting, right? And then we see the father begin to lament. He says, have mercy on us. Help us if you can. If you can. And those three little words unfold an entire conversation about faith. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asks. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And in this story, we get a glimpse of this man's faith. See, you can't be a follower of Jesus if you don't have faith. Faith is a prerequisite to being a Christian. It's having belief and trust in someone or something. And in Hebrews 11.1 1, we read, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about we, what we do not see. It's belief that Jesus is who he says he is and that he's gonna make good on his word and his promises. The father from the story had faith 
that Jesus could change his circumstances, but the reality of his pain made him unsure about the outcome. And as he approached Jesus, his faith got challenged. And what we see is a picture of pretty weak faith where he begs Jesus to help him where he can't help himself. He prays that Jesus would deepen his faith because more faith gets him more of Jesus, more of what Jesus is doing, more of the kingdom in his life. Now maybe you're thinking, what does this have to do with lament? Are we doing a series on lament? Yes, we are. And I would love to share a personal story with you. So growing up, um, I had always known that I wanted to make ministry my career. I loved the Bible. I loved having conversations about God and theology. And while my heart always wanted more of that, I struggled with the tension that ministry is more of a male-dominated career. And as a woman, growing up in a lot of different denominational backgrounds, I knew that I had to find the right church if I was going to work there, if this was going to be my career. I had to find a church that was going to truly empower women to live out every single thing that God has placed in them and do all the things that a man can do. And honestly, it was like finding a needle in a haystack. And so I just taught preschool instead. And then in 2011, my husband and I moved to Duluth, and that's actually when we found the vineyard. I quickly got involved. I served in our youth ministry for four years, and then I came on staff, which is hilarious because I absolutely loved serving. I'm like, these suckers are paying me, and I was doing this for free for four years. But I loved it. It felt like it was like my dream job. I felt like I had won the lottery. And then my husband and I, we bought our first home, and we remodeled it, and everything felt like it was finally coming together. And I could see for years of my life unfolding in this community that we loved, in a home that we had made ours. Everything felt perfect. And then right after our first child was born, my husband was offered a job in the cities. And I was devastated. We sold our home. I quit my job. We left our best friends and our community behind. And I was wrecked. I felt like I had lost everything except for this little baby that I did love but cried all the time and never slept. And depression overcame me to the point where there were days that I would daydream about just like not existing. I'd be like, could I just like not exist anymore? And I was so mad at God. I was so hurt by God. I was so angry at God. I felt like he had taken everything away and I would scream at him. I longed to understand why. Why does it have to be like this? Why do I have to have none of the things that I love so much? I was doing ministry for crying out loud, right? That makes no sense. And I felt alone and abandoned, and God met me with silence. And I'll never forget one day when my sorrow began to well up, and I was like, here we go again, another round of annoying big emotions. And I was like, hold on a second. 
Either everything I know about God is true, or it isn't. Either God is real, or he isn't. And I found myself at a crossroads in my faith. And I wrestled with this thought for a while. If I still chose my faith, then what did I actually believe about God? Because my pain and my suffering were incredibly real and I was in a very dark place. In a lot of ways, I felt so stuck. And that's when I found Psalm 13. And here's what it says. I love the rain. That's not in the verse. (laughs) Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look at me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome her. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. I realized that without God, I truly had nothing. I didn't have the security that I found in the love of God. I didn't have the purpose of my salvation. And it meant that everything that had ever happened in my life was nothing more than a coincidence. And even though all I could feel was my pain and my heartbreak, the psalm of lament gave words to my my pain. And I prayed these words over and over and over again. And as I held my pain in one hand, I directed my heart and my mind to focus on who God was, who I had experienced God to be in the past. Like the father crying out, help us. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And for three years, I was in that place. And I can stand here today and tell you that I wouldn't change it for the world because it changed my faith. What I knew about God's love and his faithfulness, it deepened in a way I could have never even imagined. See, as we lament, cry out to God about the pain in our lives, we will find ourselves at a crossroads where we get to the end of our rope and our faith gets challenged, just like the father from the story. Lament is the bridge that allows Jesus to meet us in our unbelief so that we can deepen our faith. And so maybe for you this morning, hearing that pain of the Father, it's just struck you. Like maybe you are an exhausted parent who feels like the future of their child is slipping away by the day. Or maybe you're longing to have children, to start a family, and you're met with miscarriages or you can't get pregnant. Or maybe you feel like your own future has been completely destroyed by someone else's actions through abuse or false accusations 
Or maybe you've made some poor choices and your own actions have destroyed your own future and now you just cover it up with addiction. All of our pain is real. And I'm not trying to minimize it or brush it aside, but if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, the hinge in which you grow your faith is to move from I to thou. Moving from focusing on ourselves to focusing on who God is. And lament helps us do that. And today we're going to learn more about that through the life of David. But let me pray for us. Jesus, we are doing some good work but hard work this morning. And we need you. We need you to face the pain in our lives because even in our pain, you're still good. And so would you help us to be brave this morning? Would you fill us with courage? And may you deepen our faith like never before. Amen. Okay, we're going to be in, Psalm, uh, in 1 Samuel 13. And in that passage, or in that area, David is chosen by the Lord, and he's actually described as a man after God's own heart. I mean, that's a pretty honorable title, yeah. And the Bible tells us that David loved God, he knew God, and he valued his relationship with God very highly. And there's stories in the Bible that actually illustrate the kind of faith that David had, like the story of David and Goliath. It's a classic, yeah. We've, most of us have probably heard it. So as a boy, um, David ends up fighting an entire Philistine army with a slingshot. He shows up, and he's supposed to be delivering lunch to his brothers, and he sees this scene where this fight's supposed to be taking place, but everyone's too scared to fight. And, and the Philistines have this giant, and they want a one-on-one -on -one fight because they know everyone's too afraid to fight this giant. And David walks up, and he goes, oh, I'll do it. I actually brought my slingshot. It's perfect. Okay. And David marches up to this giant, and this is what he says. You come at me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord's heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. I mean, that's some serious smack talk. That is bold. And he's saying this as an underdog in a fight because he has strong faith. He has deep faith. He has a reassured and confident faith that God is who he says he is. And while David got to experience some high highs in life, like becoming the king and winning wars, and being rich, and being well-known. He had some low lows. He knew deep loneliness. He had dreams for his life that felt just out of reach. 
He was hunted, hunted for four years by an angry king that wanted to kill him and he had to live his life on the run. David struggled with sin and temptation and one time in a struggle with lust, he committed murder to cover it up. Running from hard things, running from hard relationships, running from our fears, that sounds familiar. Feeling alone in a broken marriage, feeling alone in our singleness. David's story is not far from ours. And when David found himself in those places, he wrote psalms of lament. Like, how long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. See, when we are in pain, we often want to understand why. If I just knew why my mom had to die, I could manage this. If I just knew why I had sickness, I could find some peace. But we rarely get those answers. David asked why, I asked why. We all wanna know the reason for our pain and instead, God allows our faith to be tested. And at the crossroads of our faith, we need to ask ourselves, am I focused on me or am I focused on God? And we will all find ourselves there. At the crossroads of our faith, where we've become so exhausted by our circumstances that it actually forces us to make a decision. Do I really believe this? Do I really trust this? And that's when God uses our pain to really get our attention. This is a quote by C.S. Lewis. It says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's like when my kids were toddlers and they're having tantrums and they throw themselves on the floor and they're kicking and they're screaming about some injustice or some frustration that they have going on in their life. And what I'll do is I'll actually just take a step back and I'll wait. I'll wait until they wind down a little bit, all of their pain still real, all of their emotions still raw, and that's when I can come in and I can speak to them more powerfully. I scoop them up and it allows them to experience my love for them more deeply. Feel my presence in their pain, in their frustration. And it builds trust in our relationship, knowing I'm going to be there no matter what, even if they don't always get what they want. It strengthens our relationship. Our pain brings our awareness directly towards God, and we get to decide if we're in or we're out. And if we stay focused on ourselves, it leads to despair. Now, some of the time, we don't even realize that we've chosen to stay focused on ourselves or give up on our faith. 
It's actually subtle because it's hidden in some unhealthy lifestyle choices. So as our pain begins to rise up again, maybe we cling to unhealthy relationships in, in uh, some addictions. Maybe it's going to the bar to stop thinking, have a few drinks, and then find some, valid, some validation from a stranger. Or focusing on ourselves can look like clinging to possessions, shopping to make us feel better. I just need to get some new clothes and I'll just feel better about myself. Or hanging on to items from the past that represent an old way of life, an old way of being. It can even look like clinging to ignorance by denying our problems and pretending they don't exist. Just bury the emotions under the rug until maybe like an anniversary of a past event pops up on the calendar and then we're forced to recall all these memories, all of these emotions one more time and for maybe just a few days we'll be out of commission but then we'll just shove them all back down. That's because not just our minds hold our memories, our bodies hold our memories as well. Choosing to stay focused on ourselves or giving up on our faith, it might not be a full declaration of I no longer believe in God, but it can sound like God will help others, just not me. I probably deserve this life and God is punishing me. Or why should I get prayer? It never really changes anything. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 88. Here's the end of the psalm. It says, Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and been close to death. I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. You have taken from me friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. That's where the psalm ends. Psalm 88 is a psalm of despair. And it's the only psalm in the Bible that doesn't shift its focus off the person that is in lament to God. Lost my spot. And when our faith is challenged by our circumstances, we will circle our pain over and over and over again, never shifting our focus from ourselves to who God is. It's never moving from I to thou. And if you feel like that is you, there's no shame in being there. Psalm 88 shows us that it can happen, but you don't have to stay there. I mean, maybe COVID, Everything that happened in the pandemic, maybe it just made you second guess everything you really knew about faith and about church. And so you just kind of drifted away because it felt like spirituality wasn't really serving you. Or maybe a heartbreak from loss made you deny God's existence altogether. God can't be real if this pain is real. Listen, there's no shame in being there, but the door never closes on a relationship with Jesus. But if we focus on God, it leads to deeper faith. Making the move to thou is shifting our perspective to who God is. 
And in Psalm 13, 5 and 6, we see David make that switch. He says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Moving from I to thou is saying, even though I may not feel this right now, even though my life feels out of control, I still have hope because God is who he says he is. And it's actually the very reason that we can lament. Listen to this. Belief in God's mercy, redemption, and sovereignty create lament. Without hope in God's deliverance and the conviction that he's all-powerful, there would be no reason to lament when pain invades our lives. Todd Billings in his book, Rejoicing in Lament, helps us understand this foundational point. It is precisely out of trust that God is sovereign that the psalmist repeatedly brings lament and petition to the Lord. If the psalmist has already decided the verdict that God is indeed unfaithful, should I just wait for the rain to stop? <laughs> I feel like it was a competition for a second there. I don't know if anyone on the live stream can hear it, but the rain is so loud right now that as I was reading, I felt like I was competing with the weather. Oh man, where were we? The psalmist had all, if the psalmist had already decided that the verdict that, that God is indeed unfaithful, they would not continue to offer their complaint. Therefore, lament is rooted in what we believe. It's a prayer loaded with theology. Christians affirm that the world is broken, God is powerful, and he will be faithful. Therefore, lament stands in the gap between pain and promise. That's from the book, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy. And this is exactly why the Apostle Paul says that he rejoices in his suffering. In James 1, 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because we know that the testing of our faith develops perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I love the prayer that the Father prayed out. Help me in my unbelief. And that's a prayer that many of us will pray. I know that I have. But that's not the kind of faith that we want to have our entire lives. We want faith that has strength. We want faith that, that it is a light that shines in a broken world. A faith that stands in front of a giant and says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will cut off your head. Maybe not that part. But today the Lord will conquer you. But it's something we have to choose. In the book, The Divine Conspiracy, Rediscovering Our Hidden Life with God, Dallas Willard talks about how we develop our faith and how we develop our Christ-likeness. And here's what he says. Another person cannot learn Spanish for me, nor can, someone else shit, nor can someone else lift weights to improve my muscles. And our deepest moral character is also is not something that, we can be, that can be developed by anything that is done for us or to us. Others can help us in certain ways, but we must act. 
We must act wisely and consistently over a long period of time. Lament is the bridge that, that allows Jesus to meet us in our unbelief, in our pain, and deepen our faith as we shift our focus off of ourselves onto him, actually putting our hope and our trust in God. And we have to choose it for ourselves and allow God in his time to grow our faith. And as we lament, as like Willard points out, we have to act consistently over a long period of time. So let's talk about some practical steps. How do we move from I to thou? So remember, we're choosing to hold our pain as we lament, but we're gonna swing our focus to God and what we know to be true about God, just like David. And so the first thing that we can do is connect with God's love. David says in the Psalm, in Psalm 13, but I will trust in your unfailing love. So maybe you don't know this, I'm the youth pastor here at the Vineyard, and I actually have the privilege of talking to our youth about all the things happening in their lives. And I know this is gonna come as a shock, but they complain about their parents a lot. <laughs> they don't like their parents' rules, and often I'll hear, my parents won't let me get a cell phone. My parents are making me get a job. My parents said that if I don't get my grades up, I can't get my license, but all they do is complain about driving me everywhere. If you laughed at that, you are that parent. <laughs> now, the student's frustration is valid. Their, their frustration is real, but I'll often ask them, do you believe that your parents love you and that their love wants what's best for you? and usually they will roll their eyes and walk away from me. <laughs> but God's love is the same way. He's for us, and it's, it's his love that brought Jesus to save us, and it's a life-changing kind of love. The Hebrew word for love is hesed, and it's defined as like a loyal love. This is the kind of love that will fight for you, go to bat for you, and take a bullet for you. And last week, one of our pastors, Brian, he actually preached an entire sermon about lament and God's love, practical step. If you haven't heard it, go take a listen. But we can also read the Bible. And so I'm gonna give you a list of verses that you are welcome to take a picture of and look up later. But spending time in passages that remind us of God's love is so important as we lament. As we feel God's love for us and his care for us, it reminds us of how great his love truly is. And maybe for you, sometimes we get into a season of our life where we read scripture and it doesn't feel like it does anything for us. And so you could read some scripture about the love of God and you're like, okay, that's cool. So if that's you, what I would like for you to do is go spend some time with someone who loves you really well in a healthy way. Spend some time with them. Read these passages. Go spend some time with them and then notice the way that they love and care for you. And as you notice those ways, realize God's love and care for you is times that a million more. Or if you feel like you don't have those kind of people in your life, 
I'm gonna encourage you to read those passages and then go spend some time in nature. Reflect on the beauty as the trees are turning. I mean, there might not be leaves after this rain, (laughs) truthfully, but hopefully there still will be some. You'll get to reflect on the beauty as the trees begin to turn into the fall leaves. Looking at the glory of God through nature, sit by the lake and think about how the Bible says, see the lilies of the valley in all their splendor. Are you not more valuable than they? See, the more we remind ourselves and deepen our awareness of God's love, the more we can trust it. The second practical thing that we can do to move from I to thou is to worship. And David says in the Psalm, I will sing the Lord's praises. So personally, worship is a huge thing for me when I find myself in seasons of lament. It's a huge reason why we brought Chris Lazat here, and it's also a reason why in our series on lament we have a Sunday service that's going to be about worship. It's because worship is a powerful tool that realigns our hearts with God. And last January, when our church found itself in major crisis, things felt incredibly disorienting. I found myself clinging to an album by Phil Wickham called Hymns of Heaven. The acoustic sessions are so good, so good. So check those ones out. But some of the songs that really helped me were Reason I Sing, God of Revival, and Battle Belongs. With the lyrics that say, when all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is the mountain, you see a mountain moved. And then the chorus, So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees. The battle belongs to you. Another song that that I have found incredibly helpful is New Wine by Hillsong. It says, in the crushing and the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. This song helps us see that even in our pain, there can still be vision. In one of the songs we sang, there was the valley of vision. I loved that because our pain gives us different perspective on life. And then if you feel maybe the lack of God's presence, there's a song called Here Again by Elevation Worship. So stinking good. It reminds us that God's presence is with us and it kind of ushers in the presence of God and helps bring the person singing to the awareness that God is always with us. And then there's this other great one. Sorry, I could go on forever about this. This will be my last one. There's this other great song. This has literally been my anthem. I probably have listened to it a hundred times in the last two weeks. Um, It's called Good Plans by Red Rock Worship. And it's taken from the 23rd Psalm. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and he is everything I need. So I will not worry. I will not fear the enemy. He said that he loves me. He said that he's with me even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, and still I know he has good plans. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens. He has good plans for me. Worship not only reminds us of who God is, but it helps us put words to maybe what we're feeling, what we're thinking, what we're needing, and it realigns us with God. And then lastly, We need to remember God's faithfulness. Verse six says, for he has been good to me. 
And this verse was actually an anchor for me when I was in that incredibly dark season. Because I could undoubtedly say that God had been good to me, maybe too good to me. I had so many things that I loved about my life, but I could look back and and I knew that God was doing something. I could look back and say I had all of this goodness. God is faithful. He's faithful to his promises. And then as I read more scripture, I began to notice more of the promises of God. He promises a hope and a future for you. He promises that his faithfulness will continue through all generations. He promises that he will give us instruction on the way we should go. He promises that he will fulfill his plans for us. He promises that he will exalt us. And his faithfulness floods us with hope. Think about it. Only a Christian can look at the day that their Savior was murdered and call it Good Friday. Only a Christian can hold the pain of losing a child or of horrific abuse or of losing everything good in their life and say, but I still have hope because my hope is in the Lord. It can never be taken from us. And that's why I'm so excited for us as we walk through lament together. God is doing something incredibly powerful in each of us if we let him. And it's really like this weird tension, I'm not gonna lie, like I personally, I feel a little resistant. I'm like, I don't wanna do this. I don't wanna think about all the things that are making me miserable right now. I just wanna keep them in a pretty little package and just shove them in the corner and we can just kinda coexist. But that's not what we're gonna do. We're gonna let God meet us in our pain and we're gonna lament together. And God is gonna do some incredibly good work in each of us. He's gonna deepen our faith and he's gonna deepen the faith of our community. And I am in for that. Our faith will never look the same if we let ourselves hold our pain and lament and allow God to meet us as we move from I to thou. And so we're going to practice that together this morning. I'm going to invite you to stand up. And I would actually, we're just going to walk through lament together. I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do myself, even though I just told you I don't really want to do it, but we're going to do it because we can do hard things. But I encourage you to engage in whatever way you feel comfortable. So I'm gonna invite you, if you'd like, you can close your eyes. And we're going to hold out one hand. And together we're gonna begin to imagine some of our pain, some of our sadness. And I'm I'm gonna share mine out loud and you can share yours in your heart and you are welcome to use my words Uh, to shape whatever your pain may look like. You can block me out and just scream at the Lord, or you can listen to me, whatever is most helpful for you. We're gonna, first, we're gonna imagine our pain and we're gonna hold our pain. God, I am angry that you let this community be hurt by abuse. 
And I am deeply sad that I lost my pastors that I trusted. And I am heartbroken that there may be someone who no longer follows you because of the actions of another person, the actions of somebody who was here in our community. God, what are you doing? Why does it have to be like this? I hate this. Change this. And now we're going to hold out our other hand because we're going to sit in the tension of our pain. Our pain is real, it is valid, it is there. But we're going to move from I to thou. We're going to focus on who God is. God, I can see in my life that you are faithful. I can see that even in my postpartum depression, you were with me, even as I felt incredibly alone. God, your, your steadfast love, your love for me, it never changes, it never ends. Your mercies never come to an end. And it's in you that I place my hope. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as we continue to just hold that space, I'm gonna start some ministry time. You can continue to engage with the Lord as you feel, as you feel like he's stirring things up. But there are a few things that I just wanted to bring up this morning. Um, I feel like as I was praying over our time this morning, the Lord wanted to meet some people in some painful memories, like you have trouble recalling some bad memories because they kind of make you spiral. Um, and so I actually got this picture of like a jar and it was filled with all these like painful prickly black things, like these were these memories, and God just wants to sprinkle them out a little at a time and help you process all the things so that it's not like dumping it all out at once. And so if that feels like that's for you, I would love to invite you to get prayer this morning. Um, I think that there's others of us this morning that go, well, I feel like I haven't experienced extreme pain like other people and you play this game of comparison and so you never actually allow yourself to lament hard things that have happened to you. It could be a breakup. It could be a disappointment in life. There are so many things that God wants to meet us in. And then I also feel like there's just always the invitation for physical healing. I got prayer this last week, and I, was, I experienced physical healing for the first time in my life, actually. So if you have any type of physical pain that may be from memories cupped up in your body, we want to pray for that this morning. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Jesus, we need you. Would you help us again to begin to lament and move towards you? I'm going to invite the ministry team to come forward. And we're going to continue to worship for a little while. And I just want to encourage you to sit in the space that you're in with the Lord.